if I'm in a dark place, I'm going, no, like God has authority over these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this life that someone may find themselves in asking like, God, is this what you have for me? Well, he probably has a lot more if you'll come under his authority. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right. What's up? Welcome back, LJ. It's good to be to back. To the Take and Read podcast. So excited to have you back. Yeah, man. Um, so you are, uh, right now, you, you're you in a bit of a break. Yeah. So here in our team, uh, there's a lot of times of rest after a certain amount of years of serving and laboring. Uh, you're granted this biblical concept of, of a Sabbath, yeah, of man. a rest, and you're in that right now. So you get a few weeks away where you get a rest. Yep. What do you do to do that? Like personally? Yeah, so, like what does rest consist of? Because some people are not good at like vacation. Oh, man. They so, fill um, it up, it's detailed, and they end more tired than they began. I think you're right. I th- I think for us the goal is like put a few things on the actual schedule and then let's just see how everything else goes. And it worked out perfectly. So we went to Colorado and we're outside of Colorado Springs and so the weather's crazy. One day it's sunny, the next day it might right. be snowing. And so we had some loose plans and it turned out to be good that they were loose cuz we had to move some stuff around. Yeah. Um but all of that was like, it was perfect to just hang out, not have a lot to do, be able to just sit outside, take it easy, run around. Yeah. Yeah. And are you like, uh, okay, I've got this stack of books. I'm going to get after it. Or are you like, I'm not bringing a book because I'm not reading. I'm going to be playing. Yeah, yeah. So I had um, I had one book that I wanted to read during my time off. And so working my way through that, almost finished with it. Um Outside of that, it's just trying to keep my time really wide open. Yeah, buddy. Start of March Madness. I love basketball. Yeah. It's the perfect time for basketball fans. So enjoyed all of that. Still going on. Yeah. So that's been fun. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, man. Um, do you, are, so when you enter, this is something I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we get into on this podcast is this idea of cadence and rhythms around reading the Bible. Yep. And I know for me, when I'm in my normal routine, that's when I tend to thrive in that area where, man, I've got the same thing happening day in, day out. And a part of that is dedicated and protected time in the Word. It's when I get out of that routine and I go into like a vacation or a trip or something where now I've got to be super intentional around that thing. How does that how do you navigate those types of variations? Yeah, I think one thing, maybe it's the way that I'm wired and that's been a gift in time off, is I do a lot of my reading and study in the evening. And so when my day has not been packed with tasks, then it 
it really feels like a long day in the best way. Like I just right. get to enjoy life. And so somewhere along the way, I've put the kids down, um, hanging out with my wife, and then I'll go sit down at a table or something and just kind of open up the word and, and study, read yeah. a little bit. And so in that sense, time off has been a real gift in being able to just do that. Yeah. Now, like once I'm in the swing of things and my schedule gets busy, um, I've got to make it a point to carve out that time at the end of the day or I'm just, I'm too worn it's out. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was uh, in college. I, I was trying to figure out what what is what kind of guy am I? Am I a morning reader, evening? Every attempt to read at night, it ended in me falling asleep. <laughs> and then I felt bad. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm not saying you're boring. It's just I'm really tired. Yeah, I mean, and I'd fall asleep. So. You know, I, I've tried the morning stuff. And like, I've almost felt guilty for not being a morning person that gets up two hours before I have to leave the house and that yeah. stuff. That's just not me, man. And I've, I've gotten to the place where I'm okay with that. And I feel like that's who God's created me to be. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I went through a season where I didn't know if I was just going to be like a 10 a.m. guy because I wanted to be a morning guy. But our kids just woke up naturally super early. So it was this effort to try to get ahead of them every day. And it, it seemed so defeating. Like I could never get up before them. (laughs) So then I felt super guilty, but now they're entering teen years. So it's not a, it's not a challenge anymore. They sleep in now. That's what's up. Uh, we've, it's, it's good to have you back. There are a lot of people that let me know that I need to have LJ on more consistently. Hey, I'll take that, man. And I'll tell you, it tends to be, and I'm sure they they mean well, but it's not like, hey, he's got the greatest theological insight. It's usually we could listen to his voice <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. So what I'd love to do right now is um, if we could just do a quick exercise. Let's flex the pipes a little bit on flex that voice of yours, okay? Oh, buddy. Yeah, now, you used to be in radio, right? I, I wanted to be in radio. So that was like in, in high school, I had my, my sight set on being a DJ at some point. Um, that never came to fruition. However, while I was in college, I was a DJ at a skating rink. Yeah. And it was a good time. <laughs> I was seriously LJ the DJ. Oh, I love that. So uh, I'm trying to think, what are some things that we could do right now for the folks tuning in or watching that they could take advantage of this, I mean, amazing voice that God has given you. So oh are there's maybe some phrases that we could have? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, um, maybe right now you could record somebody's voicemail for them. So just just give us like a, a generic voicemail response. And so if you're listening and you want to just kind of like find a way to record this section oh, and use it as your voicemail, uh, yeah, LG, are you cool with that? I mean, this is—it's cracking me up. It's put me on the spot. We'll we'll give it a shot. You know, you yeah. never know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's not going to be one of those long, annoying ones. No. So yeah. yeah. So someone's just called, and it goes to voicemail, and here we go. Yeah. Hey, now, the person that you called is not able to answer the phone. If you'll leave a message, they'll kindly get back to you. Bam. Have a good day. Oh, I messed it up. I, I no, no, it's all good. I okay. think the bam will throw it. Bam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's one uh, one you could use. 
Um, let's say let's say somebody <laughs> has a speaker system at their front door. Like I don't know, that's a thing now. People can like if there's packages delivered oh, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So if you could real quick just somebody has dropped off either it's a package delivery or somebody kind of doing some solicitation and somebody doesn't necessarily want to attend to the door at that moment. Mm. Um, and and they just need someone like you to communicate that thank you but not now. Okay. So package and or So let's do package first. Okay. Let's see. yeah, somebody, you know, you're just run of the mill, you got your UPS guy or whatever, <laughs> he's come, he's dropped a package. You just want to let him give him a shout out. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you. And drop the package. Hey yo. Thanks for the package. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay, that's straightforward. I think if I worked in that industry, I'd be like, oh, thanks, man. I feel cool. a connection. Cool. Now let's say it's a solicitor that you just, you don't want to be belligerent, yeah. but you want them to know I'm this is probably not today. a house yeah, yeah. that you're going to want to come back to, especially I'm not feeling it today. Hey, we've, we've all had that experience. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've wanted to say some things that I shouldn't say. <laughs> I probably won't let that come out right now. Very good. But I'd probably say something like, Hey, I understand you got a job to do, but I'm not about that life. Yeah, buddy. Call it right there. Uh, this last one, last one. Uh, this is, you get one of those calls from, yeah. I don't know if it's India or wherever, <laughs> but they they want to uh, talk to you or sell you something. Yeah. And they're just, they're just robo-dialing. What do you say to them? Can I tell you what I really do? Yeah, please. I have a Google Assistant on my phone that screens my calls for me. <laughs> nice. And so when it's one of those, I'll hit screen call. And uh, live, it will send me text of what they're saying. And I can type in my response and it will speak it back. Okay. So let's say you've typed response, but let's say someone figures out a way to use your voice as the response. What are, what are you... Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank okay, on this okay, one, Okay, fair enough. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't really have a game plan for this. I just wanted to <laughs> hear some phrases and give the I folks... I do have isms, you know, like <laughs> LJ-isms, like I like to say, yeah, baby. Yeah, see, that Come on that, that made its way. I think yeah. I told you a couple weeks ago, that has influenced me. Yeah. It is in my vernacular, <laughs> and I think it catches people off. Because if people saw you and I on the street, they could tell we're not the same guy. That's true. And so when, when they... When they hear me go, yeah, baby, they're like, what did you just say? Like, why did you say that? It needs to catch on. <laughs> I like to say uh, boom or boom, baby. I used to say buckets all the time. Buckets went around for a little bit. Kurt Prater, our worship guy, he used to say buckets. He might still say buckets. buckets. Yeah. Listen for it. Yeah. I also like it when you've said this a couple of times, and it's it harkens back to kind of some Denzel kind of Washington, but oh, yeah. when he says, my man. My man. <laughs> Yes. I think I think if I could, I would probably record your voice as a unique ringtone so that anytime you call me, it says, Hey Chad, my man. And and then, then it's gonna be like, I'm excited to talk to LJ. I don't care what it is he's got to tell oh me. Oh my goodness. So, I'm in a good mood. Can I tell you a funny story? Uh my voice changed when I was really young, like before everybody else's. And uh when I was eleven years old, I left a voicemail. Uh, for my friend Greg, 
and he saved it on his voice machine for me to hear, and it like rattled his machine, right? <laughs> well, well, no joke. I'm in my hometown a few years ago, and he's like, "Hey, man, you like you got to come inside my mom's house and check this out." He gets out this old machine and plays the voicemail. It's me still. He saved that thing for years, <laughs> for over twenty years. He probably still has it. That's awesome. Cracks me up. That is awesome. All right. Well, you came here today to jump into the text, to yeah. get into the Word of God, and uh, that's what we're here to do. So, so excited. We are in the Gospel of Mark, so we're going to take and read. Actually, we're launching into the beginning of chapter 5 okay. is where we're at. And to kind of give you, uh, over the last several episodes, we have navigated through the parables that appear in Mark and looked at the kind of unique aspect of those parables this kind of crazy way in which Jesus utilized that teaching method to conceal and reveal simultaneously the truth about who he was, okay. and specifically parables being about the kingdom of God. Because mm-hmm. in the Gospel of Mark, we know that's the agenda. When he starts out in Mark chapter one fourteen, saying that he went about preaching the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe— and that as he taught as one with authority, and that was recognized, he healed and did all kinds of other things demonstrating the authority of the kingdom. That was true as well in the parables, that he was confronting some things. Another thing that has kind of developed over the last few episodes is this, uh, as I've wrestled through with different guests, this idea of when we attend to the Bible— there is a tendency that we will have in the modern context to right away find out why is this significant to me. Yeah. And we do that sometimes and we jump over what is the meaning of the text intended by the author and like in real time, what what did this mean to that original receiving yeah, yeah. audience? Like those people present at these events or hearing this teaching, why was this powerful them what was the significance for them or what and so in in lies the true meaning of that text then we can start to wrestle with how is how do we experience that meaning today because that's you. where it's significant so those are some things that we've really started to see develop so as we yeah. attend to the word today those are some cool things to keep in mind okay all right so let's take a look we're opening up to mark chapter 5 Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is perfect. Right here at the beginning of Mark 5? Mark 5, right oh, there. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I had no idea what we are going to talk about today. I know, This is right? going to be a good time. This is going to be exciting. So again, uh, if you're tuning in for the first time or this is the first time you've gotten to experience the Take and Read podcast with LJ, uh, his particular role in, in our church, uh, so he and I are on staff together, and in our church family, he leads us in the area of kids' ministry. So he gets to wrestle every week, week in, week out, with biblical truth and how he can help the the youngest of our family, yeah, yeah. our kiddos, wrestle with that and experience that. And also gets to walk with parents and families as they're also trying to figure that out. So... Uh, the passage, as you'll see in a minute today, this is exciting for someone like him to uh, to kind of help us. Oh, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do because 
So normally I'm the I read the text. Yeah. But today I feel like I want to kind of hand off oh, the reading go. of the text. Okay. To LJ, just because then I also get to experience uh, oh the beauty goodness. of your voice. You're going to have people falling asleep listening to the podcast, <laughs> man. Hey, how far are we going? Uh, we're going to go through 20. So we'll do that kind of pericope, one through 20. Got it. You ready? Let's do it. Here we go, starting in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was also crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it to the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and he began to proclaim in the, in the Decapolis That's it. how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. All right. That's a pretty intense episode. It's a serious scene. Yeah, in in the life and ministry of Jesus, but I'm so glad we have it for, you know, for our, you know, observation. Yeah. Um so what we first do when we approach a text here, we look at okay, what is this saying? What what are some things that stick out that just so that we understand the full kind of picture we're looking at? Are there some areas that are hazy or need clarity? Uh, and so, I mean, as you were reading, one of the things I thought about, okay, it's important. Mark has indicated they're in a different region. Mm-hmm. So they've they've crossed the sea, mm-hmm. and now they're in the region of the Gerasenes. And um, from what I understand about that region in terms of its, I mean, it's still in the area of, you know, um, 
it's still near Jerusalem in that region, that part of the world, yeah. right? So it's 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 still in that that neck of the woods, but it is a region that is primarily Gentile. Okay. Within that region. So up until now, Jesus has been teaching and preaching and performing miracles largely in a Jewish context. Yeah. This, however, as he crosses the sea, he enters into a place that is not primarily Jewish, but actually the different. It's primarily not Jewish. It's Gentile. So okay. it's not God's chosen people. There's a whole different story that they have that they understand about their existence. And I mean, so two completely different worldviews yeah. at that point. And so it's interesting that up until this point, even interactions with the demonic have been in a Jewish context. This, however, is different. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that God is somehow different. It yeah. just means how he interacts and what he does that may give some insight into why things are different. So that's one thing to note. The region's different. Um, the characters at play here, we have Jesus. We have a a demon-possessed man that is living out in these kind of tombs out in the middle of, you know, what? not in the city, yeah. just kind of out. He's a danger. He's a dangerous guy. He's out by himself. He's got like superhuman strength. They, they can't hold him back with chains, man. He's busting chains and shackles off his mm. feet and hands. He's busting chains, and he's, yeah, he's a danger. That's a good way to put it. Um, he's there, obviously, with his disciples. He's not, like, alone because we know just in that passing that he's traveling yeah, with yeah. his crew. And so there's a couple of things, yeah, I think at play here. You have this interaction that Jesus has with the demon-possessed man, and then there's the interaction with the legion, the multitude of demons. Yeah. So he's interacting with two parties here. The man. Yeah, the, and the then natural the and the supernatural. Mm. Uh, that There's this engagement. So that's interesting. Uh, you have... Um, you know, I think something interesting that I see is... There's this chaos going on around this man that's possessed. It's clear that something's off about him. He's a dangerous guy. Says he's been cutting himself and crying out, cutting himself with stones. Right. And then when Jesus shows up, it's like he immediately goes to Jesus. And it says when it, in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. Right. Like There's this sense of peace that comes even with just the presence of Jesus it, it's interesting to me yeah and I think that it makes me wrestle with what does that indicate and what do the people watching that scene what do they see because right now what we we can understand is it's Jesus his disciples and this guy because mm -hmm. this guy there's not like a crowd around him He's out there because everyone's scared of him. Yeah. So we have Jesus, the demon-possessed man, the disciples, and the demons. And this demon-possessed man is being controlled by the demons. So yeah. the behavior that he, when he sees, he runs and he kneels before Jesus, that's the activity of the demons because they possess him. Yeah. And if I'm a disciple and I'm like, 
because they just they were on the sea yeah. right before this. They watched him sleeping in the stern of the boat as this storm is. They're afraid for their life. Yeah, water's rushing over the the edge of the boat, and then they're like, "Wake, wake up, wake up! Like, aren't you concerned that we're about to die here?" And he just speaks to the storm, the wind, and the water. It all oh. calms, and they walk away from that, or they leave that incident going, who is this guy? Yeah. Even even the wind, even the water obeys him. They get off the boat. There's this crazy dude traipsing around that no one's going to be around that's got superhuman strength, and yet that guy sees Jesus, runs to him, and submits to him. Yeah. And starts to beg for mercy. Yeah. What? Uh, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, Okay. Yeah, what's going on? What is going on here? What's happening? Um, yeah, they cr- he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. me this demon, he's like... Please, like I got to cut this. Yeah, he's like I got to cut this off of the past. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe he'll have mercy on me. Yeah, which is interesting too because it it's a it in a moment it indicates what some of the character of God. Because if you step back and think beyond the human experience, that before all of this was created, yeah, yeah. the angels existed that God had created the angels and that we know that a portion of those angels fell yeah. and became demons. And that there is something indicated here about the character of God that a demon would appeal to God the Father through the Son and ask for mercy, which yeah. indicates they must have some idea that he does exercise mercy yeah, and that he is gracious which is fascinating. Like it, yeah, it's mind-blowing. And and then that they recognize that this man has that authority that Jesus is is God. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I I mean, I I'm right now I'm wondering the disciples, the revelation that they've had to this point, like you said coming off the sea knowing that Jesus has some special authority, that he's powerful. And now seeing this, well, the demons are recognizing who Jesus is and they're calling it out. I wonder how that compares to the way that the disciples view Jesus Mm. at this point. Yeah. And you don't know, are the demons responding to just something that they, they recognize and know immediately because of his presence or appearance or... Are they responding that way because there's kind of a reputation in the demonic community now that he's been doing some stuff, and they're like, hey, the Son of God is on the move, and they're like, okay, he's shown up. Because they, we don't know that they saw the whole storm incident. Yeah, We don't know that they witnessed any of the feeding of the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know that. They just, he sees him, and they're like, submit, run, kneel, beg for mercy. Which is fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. what else do we see here? Then, oh, yeah. Okay, so 
he there's that the scene where he begs he begs for mercy please like don't torment even though maybe that's they know that that's their their due right hey we we know that you'd be within your rights yeah that makes a lot of sense it's like they know that's what's next they know we've been up to no good yeah you're about to lay the smack down please don't yeah he asks them about the name which is interesting. I don't know if there was something about like exorcisms where there's a an authority that's when you when you know somebody's name and call them by name if there's some sense of authority that's associated yeah. with that. We know that names are a big deal. Yeah. All throughout the scripture that Adam naming the animals was an exercise of his authority over the animals. So I don't know if if possessing somebody's name and using that over, I don't know, but he asked for their name. His That's name is a legion. Legion meaning a There's lot. many. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, this guy's not just possessed. Like, he's possessed. Yeah, buddy. It's over the top. And so he begs him earnestly not to send them out of that of the region. Like... I don't know if there's something like there's a stronghold or there's yeah. a safety that they have in this kind of region that's primarily Gentile, but they don't want to leave the region for some reason. And so a large herd of pigs was there. This is just so fascinating to me. And this part when I was a kid, like I didn't grow up in church, but I remember reading this story maybe at like my great grandparents' church or something. Like I, I, I vividly remember this story from being a kid and it always scared me like it yeah. freaked me out this part yeah that we're coming up on yeah and it's an in- interesting indication that this is a gentile region because in a jewish region you wouldn't have pig herders yeah, that's a good point because it's an unclean animal no one's raising pigs no one's yeah. sacrificing pigs no one's eating pigs so in a jewish region that's not a thing but here in a gentile region you've got a pig herder this large herd of large herd of pigs, and there's some oversight given because there's some herders there, some people working the, the herd. Yep. And they're feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. And I don't know if that's some indication. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on how the demonic works, but there's some indication that they need a host or they yeah. want to dwell somewhere. So send us into the pigs. There's a whole bunch of living things over there. There's a whole bunch of us. Just send us to them. We won't. We won't bother this guy anymore. Please, yeah, just yeah. don't. Don't destroy us. Don't do- torment us. So that's what happens. They he gave them permission. That's fascinating to me too. Like they're please, please can we? And they're gonna wait until he's like, you may go. Yeah. Like that's the level of authority. Not that they like jumped and asked for permission, like, like, please, can we? They wait for permission, and then they're allowed to go. So even their ability to move about, yeah, it's if he wills it. Yeah. So they leave. And they came, entered the pigs, and a herd of about 2,000. 2,000. That's a lot of... That's gross. That is a lot of pigs. That's a lot of pigs. That must be a lot of demons. Man. Rush down the steep bank into the sea and drown there. And so then, like, okay, well, what, where'd they go then? Like, the pigs are dead. So where that? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. 
It's but, like, did Jesus just play a trick on them? <laughs> right. I always thought that as a kid. It's like, I'm not going to torment you, but I'll let you go to the pigs. But you may not know this, but the pigs are going to run off the cliff. Like, And they're going to die. And they're going to die. And I don't know if that means the demons are gone too. I, I don't mean, know I'll, either. Or they just find a new, maybe they went into the fish. I don't know. We got knows? nothing. Anyway, so then, so you've got that whole scene. So this is the interaction then with demons. Yeah. And that now that interaction Jesus has with the, the demons, the legion, is over, and it demonstrates quite a bit who he is, what he's capable of, that now it's not humans recognizing his authority or his identity. It's, a, it's the demonic. And what they recognize about his authority is, has the influence on them that they are now completely submissive in every possible way yeah. to him. And they don't need to know a lot about him. It was on when they first make sight of him, they understand their place in the world. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Because we humans are different. We're a little different. We're a little different. Yeah. So then, after this... The men who tended the pigs ran off and reported in the town, the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. So now this, now there's another thing happening. And they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. So now there's the witness of Jesus' authority and its effect. Yeah. That this, no question about it. No, yeah, undeniable yeah. what has occurred. Because they all clearly know who he is, this man, and that he's now in his right mind. He's sane. Who once was absolutely, unquestionably insane and dangerous to everyone around him, probably himself too, is now squared away. Just hanging out. Yeah. But yet, they were afraid at this point still, not necessarily of the man, but of the man. Uh, rightfully so. Right? So these people, most likely largely Gentile people, yeah, are going, okay, so the disciples were afraid on the on the boat because of what Jesus did. They were it says they were they were terrified of the storm at first, but now they were afraid because of who they were with. Yeah. Now we have a scene where these Gentiles are afraid of the demon possessed man at first. But now they're afraid of who's here. Yeah. So in both cases, we have this transfer of fear from something that is not to be feared ultimately to something that absolutely is rightfully to be feared. Yeah, I mean to experience. So you you clearly see it. This this guy's been messed up. All of a sudden, he's not. The person responsible for it's there. You're like, if he can do that. Right. What else can he do? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show respect. I want to be careful. I'm going to be a little scared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a moment of sobriety where you all of a sudden, what you thought you knew about the world and, and how things worked has now just been absolutely shattered, and there's a new normal. Yeah. There's now a new there's a new standard of what could happen and who's present. Yeah. 
And I think there's something to that in in terms of, okay, that's that's what the disciples are experiencing. That's what these townspeople who are coming out to to witness what has happened. For them, there's this realization that with Jesus, whatever you thought was possible and was normal and was right, true, and good before is now completely different because he is unlike anything you've ever yeah. realized. And so we can then start to jump into how do we experience that meaning today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, if you lived anywhere in that region and you heard about these things happening and you had somebody that you thought might be demon-possessed, yeah, I know where I'm taking them. Yeah, like, buddy. No doubt. Yep. I want to find this guy named Jesus. If he's got authority to do that, he can... He can help me in my need. And you see that that's probably the case as uh, as these crowds are gathering around him. A lot of it probably has to do with the reputation of what he's capable of doing, not necessarily who he is at first. Yeah. It's, hey, I heard he healed this guy. I heard he released this guy from this oppression. Uh, I heard he can, do you hear what he did with all that the bread and the loaves? Like, he can do things, which is a demonstration, and that's the the result of of his authority and life in his kingdom, right? Yeah. He restores life. But there's a transition that I think that happens for people once they do encounter him because of who he is and now a connection to him. It's not just about what they can get from him, yeah. but that they get him. They get him. That's crazy. Yeah. In such a good way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Pastor John Piper, he'll, he wrote a book a few years ago, and he, in it, it's, um, the, the title of the book is God is the Gospel. And what he is identifying in that is throughout the scriptures, really the good news of Jesus Christ is that we get God, that we are restored to him. Not that we get the things from him, yeah. but that we we now have access to the God of the universe, whereas before we did not because of our sin. Yeah. So anyway, that's, yeah. All right, so another thing that I think st- sticks out here, and we've seen this a couple of times, and it's been referenced as the messianic secret amongst theologians, this idea that in the Gospels there are these moments where people recognize who Jesus is, and he tells them, Go and tell no one. Yeah. Be quiet about it. And so there's a lot of speculation. Why is he saying don't? Some people say, well, he there was a perfect timing, and if if it he couldn't it couldn't happen too soon, it couldn't happen too late, it had to hit the right time. Uh, others identify that the reason why he was so hush hush about it, because if people actually knew who he was, he wouldn't have been crucified. Yeah. If the Jewish people would have really known and the Jewish authorities known that the Messiah was actually there, he never would have been crucified and therefore wouldn't have accomplished what God the Father sent him to do. Yeah. But that is that that secret isn't here. It's not. Because it's the opposite. Yeah. So what does he tell him? Man was getting into the boat. As he was getting, Jesus was getting back into the boat. The man who had been demon possessed, verse eighteen, begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. And Jesus did not let him, but told him, 
Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. They were all amazed. So he becomes a very early evangelist for the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's likely he is not Jewish. Yeah. It's likely he's Gentile. Yeah. And so I don't know if that plays into this, that that was now a safe region for this news to go out. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts about that? Something about timing going on as well. Um, Like you said, he kept revealed his full identity for a while, or certainly to specific people. Yeah. Yet to others, he did not. And so I'm thinking somewhere along the way it has to do with some timing because he's got some other things in his ministry that he's going to accomplish along the way as he continues to fulfill prophecy. Um. But I also think when we think about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, like it's not just for Israel. Israel's meant to be a blessing for, for everyone. For the nations, yeah. And I think this is a sign of that. Like if, if this guy is a Gentile, people when they see him are going to know something's different. And then when he gives testimony to what happened, it's going to clue them in on make them interested in this Jewish guy that they've been hearing about even more. Um, so there's something at play there with timing and then the love of God, the gospel going beyond just Jews. Yeah. 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 So we understand what it says. What is you step back, if you were to kind of identify maybe with some, some broad kind of, ideas here what does this mean for them and f- and then the significance for us yeah i, I want to go back to the what first happens at the beginning of the story this recognition of authority this pause even from the man that was possessed of oh like this guy has power right so something about his authority and then what what you said of once you experience something like that, it changes the way you see everything. And so if I put myself under God and his authority, it's going to affect naturally how I view the world, how I live in the world. Some, so something about authority. What type of power does Jesus have? How does that affect me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I think I'm in that, that same place that they, I think the de- the the disciples there's they're repeatedly surprised by Jesus's authority and his identity like when he does something they're like oh okay and and we see that and and I I don't look back on that and go man how could they be so surprised so often so frequently because in the same way that man they just would return to the old normal and the old assumptions about the universe and the world and their life and their place in all of that. I do that all the time. And I'm a pastor. I've been walking with the Lord for like 25 years. And I'm still surprised by God when certain things happen in my life and all of a sudden he reminds me of his presence and his power or his plan and I'm like, oh, yeah, 
And it's so easy for me to slip back into the old kind of way of just assuming the world works this way. And quite honestly, it's this kind of so often living and moving with not the assumption, but just as though what I see is the the limit to what's real. Yeah. What I experience is the limit to what's real. And that humanity is is got a lot of control in this place. Like yeah. those are the general assumptions that I tend to revert back to. And this is just a great reminder that and I've constantly lean into the reality that no god's god's present and he has intention and a plan and not be surprised by him as much yeah and almost expectant for god to show up god to be present and i'm just yeah just reminded of that today yeah I think another thing for me is I think about people that come from dark places. You know, there's this, I think there's this idea about God that exists that he is very loving and warm, which is, is absolutely true. And we want that comfort from God. But for a lot of people walking in dark places, more than the comfort of God, they need God's power in their lives to overcome that darkness, right? And and so when I when I read this story, if, if I'm in a dark place, I'm going, no, like God has authority over these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this life that someone may find themselves in, asking like God, is this what you have for me? Well, He probably has a lot more if you'll come under His authority and yeah. you'll have victory over those things. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think that's the key that He has a lot more. He does. He's not just going to deal with whatever issues present, but he's got so much more for you as you're under his authority. Yeah, and it's an authority that it's refreshing in this passage that the demons recognize. Yeah, the powers of darkness immediately submit to him. That's man. I want to be on that team for sure because. Right here, they recognize it. And if the demonic realm is so quick to recognize and submit and appeal to God's mercy, that means he is merciful. That's right. And he is completely powerful. And so we've been invited into that same thing through Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And so another encouragement would be if you're listening to this podcast, you're tuning in, and you're checking us out, what we, LJ and I, believe wholeheartedly is that this is true. We believe that this passage and all of the passages that we are reading are true accounts of Jesus of Nazareth who demonstrated clearly time and time again that he is not like any other human, but that he is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh, who came for a very specific purpose, and that is to restore creation and restore us to him. And if you've been kind of wrestling with that, I I encourage you to continue to wrestle, but realize there's no place you can go that is is a a greater comfort than into the arms of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
and to live under his authority. There's a lot of ways in which people portray his authority as oppressive. Yeah. Um, that is, that is demanding, but he tells us and promises that his yoke is light. Yeah. And his burden is light, and that under his authority you will experience flourishing in life like you never have before. And so my encouragement to you today is to turn to him and to continue to take and read from the Word of God because he's communicated himself to us. LJ, so glad you're here. And we're already excited about the next time you're going to be here. <laughs> I'm also excited if anybody uses some of the sound bites. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, please, uh, if you have questions for myself or LJ, you can email at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have, uh, if you're going to use his sound bites, please leave it in the comments. Let us know. Like, subscribe, share. But I want to know how many people are, are going to, you know, take advantage of oh my uh, LJ's. God-given voice today. And next time, um, if you want to have like a list of things that I can yeah, say I might for come you up. or people, I'm I'm down with that. Yes, and if you have things that you would like to hear LJ say, keep them clean, obviously. But uh, royalty free. Yeah, royalty free. You can grab uh, sound bites from LJ. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just just let us know what you want him to say. But thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being here, LJ. Love you, man. And uh, go take and read.